Thank you, Seth. Pray for Seth as God gives him different opportunities to go out and minister and uh, sing and share the gospel through song. And we're thankful for the young people that God has gifted and, and blessed with a lot of ability and not just that. They've worked hard at it and we're thankful for them. Tonight I want to invite your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And that we'll start a reading tonight in verse number 13 and go through 18 as Paul teaches us uh, motivations to endure. Motivations in order to endure. And so tonight we have three uh, different points that I want us to draw, draw our minds to tonight. Number one, we see our confidence in the resurrection. That's a great motivation, confidence in the resurrection. Secondly, our concern for future heavenly adoration. Concern for future heavenly adoration. And then lastly, for corresponding transformation. Transformation uh, that, we in, that we undergo. So tonight, in chapter 4, in verse number 13, the Bible says this, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written... I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound into the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, <clears throat> excuse me, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading, the preaching of your word tonight. And Lord, we ask for your illumination, uh, Lord, to be upon us, God, as we preach and as we hear, listen, and God, that we would take away, uh, Lord, foundational and Lord, practical truth uh, for our lives. Thank you for the great examples that you've given us in your scripture. And God, I pray that uh, we will be students of your scripture, uh, Lord, so that we can make that uh, part of day-to-day -day living. And God, I pray for the kids and the workers in Awana tonight, Lord, and the parents that are there with them. And God, I pray that you give them a good night. And Lord, this would just be another a part of the puzzle in their life, God, that you're putting together to show them and to teach them the love of God. And Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, tonight, as we look at this text, I think that we must uh, kind of get our minds uh, in, in the gear of the things that have already uh, been said, the things that Paul has already written in order to teach us and to encourage us. You know, Paul, that he has already talked about God's power in our personal weakness and that he used phrases like troubled and not distressed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, and not destroyed. Those are some powerful images and powerful words uh, that Paul uses there. And those aren't simply words to Paul, but I believe that they are his testimony. 
things that he had experienced personally in his life, and that is what that he uh, felt as he was pitting these very words. Now, uh, building on that, in verse number 13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. Where? Where is it written at? It's written uh, in the Psalms, in Psalm uh, 116 in verse 10. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. And so Paul here, uh, that he goes back and that he references and that he quotes from the book of the Psalms, Psalm 116 there, I believed and therefore I have spoken. And he adds, we also believe and therefore we speak. Now, Psalm 116, uh, that it is believed to be a psalm that David has penned. It is a psalm that speaks of David's adversity, the, the trials, the trouble, the tribulation that David had went through. And you know as well as I do that David went through plenty of low times in his life. And that David had faced a lot of times where he looked death square in the eye. And that is what uh, he is referring to here, uh, that he had been at a very low point, that he has seen death, and that God had delivered him uh, from that very perilous and troubling time. And so that Paul, he makes the connection with his life and David's life. That he sees very many similarities in what God did in David's life and what God continued to do in his life. And so in the Psalm 116, that God's deliverance, that it demanded of David that he speak of the power and the might and the ability of God to provide in his life. And so that resonated with Paul as he saw the might and the power and the ability of God. And it just bubbled up inside of him. And he said, oh, I've got to say exactly what David said, that God is able and I've got to share it with everybody. And so that's how, that's how what we see here in verse number 13 that, that, that Paul is taking from what David had experienced for himself. You know, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians here in this first uh, chapter, in verse number 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. So I hope that kind of makes the context here uh, of, which the, of these things that Paul uh, is saying. So Paul was in the same shoes as the beloved and revered King David. And like David, he had to continue on with the Lord. And so in the troubles and the disparities of our life, uh, that our walk with God, that it demands of us, it behooves us that we not quit, but that we continue on this journey with the Lord. And you know, there's plenty of opportunities to get tripped up. But he says we keep going. He's not going to stop preaching. He's not going to stop proclaiming the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that was his heart. And he tries to get that out right there. In verse number 13, so uh, the foundation of Paul's faith, that it was anchored in the, the, the very uh, trustworthiness of God. 
and how that God had always been faithful. So he had that foundation, but Paul wasn't simply uh, you know, resting in the foundation, but he was looking forward and he was reaching forward for that which was yet to come uh, in his heart and in his life. And so in verse number 14, we see one of the great motivations of our walk with the Lord. Now, this was personal with Paul. This was his own testimony. It was his own motivation. And so tonight, this can't simply uh, be us sitting here and learning about what Paul's motivation was, all right? It's got to be more than that. It must transcend from, from 2,000 years ago in the life of the Apostle Paul. It must make it into your life and my life today in 2020, all right? We can't just do a, a study on the life of Paul. It must become our life. And I think that we fail that sometimes, that we fail to make it personal. And my desire is the Word of God to be personal, and that we'll leave this place being transformed. We'll, be, we'll leave this place looking more like Jesus Christ. Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus. Now, uh, that's a strong, you know, that's a good word there, knowing. He said, not hoping, but knowing. He had confidence. He wrote this with certainty, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So that Paul had confidence in the resurrection. And so you and I, as we live day by day, that the resurrection... Not, not some, you know, got my fingers crossed hope in a resurrection. But our life is to be anchored in the fact that we are confident that there is a resurrection coming. And how, how can we live with that confidence? Paul explains it here perfectly that we have this confidence because the Lord Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. That's why we have confidence in a resurrection. So Paul, uh, that he clocks in every day. He goes to work every day, all right? He, he's, not, he's not in one day and out one day. But that Paul, that he's consistent in his walk with the Lord, he clocks in every day. Why? But, you know, it, he, doesn't he have trouble? Yes, he's got all sorts of trouble. He's perplexed that he is surrounded on all sides with people who hate him, people that want to kill him. Yes, he has reason to be discouraged. Yes, he has reason to throw in the towel, but he doesn't. And so as we see someone like the Apostle Paul, it gives us a great example to follow as this man who had every reason in the world uh, to, to throw in the towel, to quit, to roll over, to, to die. But he couldn't do that. And so uh, because of that, uh, we have the, this, this great and wonderful truth before us that he lived knowing that there was a resurrection. That was one of the great motivators of his life. Now, for Paul, this, this wasn't the first time he had talked about the resurrection. This wasn't something that he had uh, just drummed up. Uh, but this was something that was very much on the heart and mind of the Apostle Paul, not just from what this text of Scripture, but from other texts of Scripture, not just from this book, but from the previous book as well that he had written uh, to these same 
people. So Paul, you always find him, he's clinging closely to the cross and the empty tomb. Those two things. And I believe that's a great lesson for us. We cling to the cross and the empty tomb as we walk this life of faith. And what a great, what a great lesson that is. In 14, he uses two words that envelop us, that he uses the word us, he uses the word you, and that he did that with great logic. Uh, This isn't, you know, as he presents the logic here, how can we have such confidence? He says, well, we've already seen it happen. That's how we can write with such confidence, because we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, that he got up out of the grave. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. You see that in 1 Corinthians that he wrote about the resurrection and that it was a certainty, that it was a surety, that it was going to happen. And I believe that day by day and moment by moment that Paul could not get away from the reality of the resurrection and that he knew that he was not just living for these 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80 years, but there was something greater that he was going to live for all of eternity. And he had that, and he knew that. And my goodness, and he, he really develops that later on, reminding us that we cannot have our minds fixed upon this temporary existence that you and I have right now. Got to be bigger than that because our lives are bigger than that. Uh, Hughes quoted a man by the name of Savage. He said, Without faith in a future resurrection, Paul's present suffering would be not only intolerable, but it would also be meaningless. He would, on his own admission, be a man most to be pitied. You see, if this is all we've got, this is a meaningless existence if this is all we've got. But you know what Paul said? This isn't all we've got. <laughs> and he said himself, if this is all we got, we are of all men most miserable. He said that himself. You know, in every way, uh, Paul, that he, you know, he lived it out here. Uh, but what he uh, believed about what he was and what he would forever be, that was just really, really primary Uh, to his theology and his philosophy of life was based and rooted in that we are eternal beings, that we are going to live forever. Now, uh, you know, we're bound to this world, that we are uh, bound to uh, the stuff, Uh, but, you know, uh, this is very much temporary stuff. Uh, that we are always fixing, that we are always replacing stuff, aren't we? And no matter how, how, good, you, how good it is, uh, it's, always, it's always needing to be repaired. It is always needing to be replaced. You know, we, I think maybe that eternity for, for us in our minds, that it seems too distant, doesn't it? It seems too far away. But it's not, is it? It's not far away at all. It may be in that heartbeat away that we start 
what we, you know, I, I believe that, I believe eternal life starts at salvation. All right, but, but there's an aspect in where we, we leave this old body, that we leave this walk of life. Someone said if much more planning goes into our retirement than it does our eternity. We spend a lot of effort putting back and thinking, getting squared away for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years if you're lucky. But what about eternity? Paul was eternity-minded. Not temporal, but eternal. Verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. We see his concern. Concern for heavenly adoration. For all things are for your sakes. Now Paul, that as he says that, that he, I think what he's getting at is the fact that he is, he is not living his life for himself. All right? That he is living his life in order to benefit and to encourage people like those who are at Corinth. He wasn't living selfishly, but he was living with other people in mind. He had the Corinthians here specifically, but I believe that Paul had a lost world. Not just a lost world, that Paul had humanity, saved and lost. At the very core and very, very heart of who he was. That he had their best interest at heart in all he said and all that he did. But ultimately, ultimately that Paul's ambition and Paul's desire above all else was more than a human sphere. Above all else. Paul lived his life for the glory of God. Right? And so it, it went through the route of ministering to people. And I believe that's how it's going to be. All right? But ultimately and finally, that he wasn't ministering simply for people. That wasn't his desired goal and end. His ministry, his life was given for the glory of God. Now, Putting that, putting that in our, in, our, you know, in our mind and getting that in focus is a great, is a great uh, achievement if we can get there. Knowing that we're not living for ourselves and we're not even living for other people. But ultimately, that we're living for the glory of God. Now, what logic we see here is that he, as he shares the gospel... He shares the gospel with people, and then uh, they hear on this earth that they render thanksgiving to God, and then ultimately in heaven for all of eternity that they will render thanksgiving and praise and adoration that which is due Him. And so as we look at things in that perspective, the more people that 
Paul influences, the more people that come into the kingdom of God because of the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, the more people that Paul in this life that he directs them and that he guides them and he instructs them, they can use their present time to glorify God. Remember, that's minuscule as compared to eternity. But then our eternal being, our eternal life, that he has the ambition and the desire to reach people so that for all of eternity that people will be praising and glorifying God. Now, that's going to look... There's no way we can even get our minds around how awesome that heaven's going to be when everybody starts praising him. That, that'll, that'll baffle your mind if you start thinking about that. Revelation 7, 9, and 10. And this I beheld. And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and all kindreds, And peoples and tongues stood before the throne and the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. That just send a chilly willy up your spine, won't it? Man. Put ourselves there in that moment, and that's what Paul lived for. Paul looked for a day that he had not yet experienced. But yet Paul lived in the certainty of the moment. He knew that there was coming a time when people would be gathered from the, from the four corners of the earth, and together that we would sing that new song, that we would sing in unison, and that we would sing with a full voice, Toward the one that is worthy. Wow. And so Paul that he lived with the great anticipation. Of there going to be a great moment. of Where everything comes together. Everyone comes together. And that we praise and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we're there. We're worshiping. And finally Baptists will worship as we're supposed to. Lastly, in 16 and 17 18, the corresponding transformation. For which cause we faint not, and though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he says, for which cause we faint not. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the couple previous verses. He says that, looking in verse 14, because we know there's a resurrection... In verse 15, because we know we're going to get gathered up together one day and we're going to praise the Lord. That's why he faints not. Or faint, yeah, faints not, faint not. Yes. Yes, all that. 
you see that he would continue, that he could not quit, he would not quit. It wasn't an option. It wasn't an option for him. It's kind of like, you know, when I uh, talk to the young couples that are getting, they're get, going to get married soon, and I say, hey, you don't, bring, you don't bring divorce as an option into this marriage, all right? That's how it is when you follow the Lord. Quitting's not an option. That we follow him. We don't stop. We don't quit. Are things going to get hard? Yeah, probably. But we can't quit. We must not quit. He said that for, the call, for this cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The outward man. Think, really, we, we see uh, the physical aspect. We see the human uh, nature. That's what we grasp here, you know. Time, disease takes its toll. You look, think of the life of the Apostle Paul. What all did that mean? I think it meant uh, the stonings took its toll on the Apostle Paul. Uh, the, the beatings took its toll on the Apostle Paul. The lashes took its toll. Those uh, rods took their toll. Those imprisonments took their toll on the Apostle Paul. I believe also not just the, the body, but the physical, the, the, the emotional and the mental state of things, how that those, uh, those are all tied together and how that, that he recognized that his mental and emotional state even uh, suffered at the hands of men. And he recognized that the outward man was perishing said, yet, even though that's true, the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, in, in our lives that we have plenty of things that take its toll on us. As some of us, it may be physical. And eventually it will be physical on all of us. But we go through things in life and seasons of life where it's mental and emotional anguish and stresses that we endure and Paul recognized that that he didn't deny that he recognized that as reality he said yet that might be a word that you want to underline yet the inward man is renewed day by day even though the outward man was showing Showing signs of wear and tear and decay and destruction. Yet the inner man had never been better. Don't you know that Paul and his body, that the time that he had ministered for, for a while, that his body was worn. It was ruined because of all that he had endured and that he had uh, subjected himself to because of the gospel. And so I would say that Paul didn't look like much. Paul probably didn't get around too well. If you would look at him, you would say he was washed up. You would say he was done. And his testimony says, hey, I may not look like much, but you don't see who I really am. And that's where he was, that the inner man was being renewed day by day. 
in Paul's personal experience with God, his own walk with God, enabled him to pray uh, for these people and what, what he prayed for the Ephesians there in Ephesians chapter 3, I believe it's 16. He said that he, being God, that God would grant you according to his rich, the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Even though this old body, this flesh was worn out, he was tired. That Paul had experienced and that Paul's desire for these Corinthians was that which he had for the Ephesians. That they would be strengthened in the inner man. How's that happen? By the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, that he comes and he does the work inside of us and he makes us fresh. He makes us able. He gives us strength to stand. The inner man. Again, for, why? For our, 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, from what I've uh, endured and what I have experienced, Paul's afflictions were neither light nor for a moment. I think that we, we would have to say they weren't light. We'd have to say they weren't just momentary afflictions. Seems like an ongoing thing to me. But you notice what Paul says? He isn't comparing them to any other human experience. All right? Paul isn't, that isn't his comparison. His comparison is with what God has for him. I think that's neat how he, how he does that. that. That's some sort of literary device that I don't know what it is, but it's cool. All right? It's not comparing it with human things. Romans 8, 17. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He's saying that there is a great exchange, that we are exchanging the temporary, the momentary for something that is eternal. We're exchanging something that is very light for something that we are going to get that's very heavy. Now I want you to notice there the, the contrast that he makes in this, in this uh, sentence here and in this verse. Probably need to underline it. All right? So, he says in the first part of 17, for our light affliction, all right? Then he comes down here, the bottom of it, and he says, an eternal weight. So what we have here is a light affliction. But what we see in eternity, it's an eternal weight. It's a heaviness. Oh, this is not much. But what we have awaiting us is weighty. All right. And so what's the, other, what's the other contrast here? He says that it is but for a moment here. But what we have coming is eternal. So there's a, those are your two comparisons that make this sentence so powerful, make this verse so powerful. And what we have and what we experience here, it's light and it's temporary. Now, 
if, if, we, if we just sit in here and that we try to feel sorry for ourselves and if this is all that we've got our mind on is this place and these years that we've got, it's going to be bad, it's going to be miserable, we're going to say, woe is me, all right? But if our eyes are on something that's eternal, our eyes are on something that is out of this world, it'll make all the difference in life. All the difference. As we follow Christ, it's the great exchange. Paul says it's like this. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, everything that you and I, that we experience in this life, that it is temporary stuff, things that we lay our hands on, you know, from a, from a dinner plate to the most distant star, all those things are going to burn up one day. Going to burn up. None of it's going to make it. The only thing that lasts forever are spiritual things. Things that revolve around God himself. See that Paul that he, from time to time, made this reminder... And I believe if these people, these people who lived in Corinth, maybe some of them had, maybe some of them had some good stuff. But I would dare say that even the most well-to-do person in Corinth 2,000 years ago really had nothing as compared to what the poorest of us have today. And if those poor, simple People had trouble keeping their eyes on eternity and not this world. Don't we? Don't we? You see that we're all consumed in here and now. And I, and I know you've got to, go to, got to go to work tomorrow. You've got to make a living. You've got to pay the bills. But there is so much more to living than that. That we're living for eternity. And that's why Paul said in Colossians 3, Set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. It's exactly why that John wrote that this world is passing away. That the simplicity in which these people lived and this world still had a hold on them. It doesn't surprise me that the world has a hold on me. That the world has a hold on you. And that the only way that we're going to live triumphantly, the only way that we're going to keep enduring, that we're going to live this life of faith like a man such as Paul did, is living for the eternal things. And knowing that this is just a dressing room for eternity. Just a little while. We're not going to die and that be it. We have so much more that awaits us. I want my life to be bigger than me. You want your life to be bigger than you? I do.
Boy, if, if, if this little circle right here is all there is, my life's been a failure. I want my life to be bigger. And I want your life to be bigger than you. And so that one day, that we can look in heaven. And that we can see that our life was bigger than us. And we're joined with the countless throngs of people. Praising the one who's worthy. Worshiping him together for all of eternity. Because we had our life in perspective. In perspective. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the instruction that Paul gave. And I believe it's things that Paul had learned that you had taught him. And things that he had experienced in his own life. He wasn't just giving us facts. But God, he was giving us something that had worked for him. And God, I, I pray that we believers in 2020, God, that we would be kingdom-minded, that we would be eternity-minded people. God, we care for the souls of men. But God, as we care for the souls of men, that we anticipate the glory of God. For God to get glory through our lives. For God to get glory through each and every one who comes to faith in Christ. And that's ultimately what it's about. So God, I pray especially, I pray especially for, for younger people tonight to lay, a hold, lay hold of that. God, so they can use all the days that they have before them. God, this is a word for everybody. And God, that we would not live for the temporal, the things, just the things that we see. But God, there's so much more. There's so much more to life that we don't see. Spiritual things. God, may we be spiritually minded. God, we'd see past the things that are going to burn up one day. And Lord, that we'd invest our time in things that are going to last forever. Have your way in this place and in this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.